if this is your first time here, I don't think those were like cheers of like, let's get out of that. Uh, um, but we've been working through the book of Ephesians verse by verse by verse, and so that's why there's the response to that, okay? Uh, and now we're at the end of, of the book of Ephesians. So turn to Ephesians 6. We're going to start with verse 18 and uh, read through verse 20. Just follow along as I read. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Father, we're so grateful for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts, open our minds to understand it. Give us faith to believe you, that you are God and you are worthy of more than just an hour that we sit here, Lord. You're worthy of our hearts. You're worthy of our affections. You are worthy of our lives, Lord. Every minute, every moment, you are worthy. Help us in this time. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, we're going to be talking about prayer this morning. And I asked some people before the service, some adults, some children, and uh, just asked, what is prayer? What do you think prayer is? What, do you, what does it mean to pray? And here's some responses I got. A conversation with God. Uh, something to do with verbal approach to the throne of God. It means to, one, one person said it means to listen to God. Uh, and then I got uh, several, uh, it means to talk to God or talking to God. Uh, those are good. Um, a lot of us know the meaning of prayer, but do we pray? Are we really praying people? John Calvin said this, Prayer is a communion of men with God, by which, having entered the heavenly sanctuary, they appeal to him in person concerning his promises in order to experience that which they believed was not in vain. Do we believe that about prayer? That it's, I love what he says, they appeal to him in person. That we are genuinely coming in communion before the throne of God. Because of Christ, by the Holy Spirit, that we're coming before the God of the universe. John Knox, who is uh, another Puritan who, who um, we should listen to. John Knox was a man who the Queen of Scotland said of him, I fear the prayer of John Knox more than all of the armies of England. That's convicting to me. I don't know anyone that would say that of me. But he said this about prayer. He said, prayer is an earnest and familiar talking with God, an earnest and familiar talking with God. As followers of Christ, we're commanded to pray. We must pray, but it's not easy to pray, right? In fact, Martin Luther said this, this command to pray is the hardest work of all. 
a labor above all labors, since he who prays must wage a mighty warfare against the doubt and murmuring excited by the faint-heartedness and unworthiness we feel within us. You relate with that probably. You've probably already experienced that in the 25 minutes we have been in this service. Where during prayer, you're battling temptation. You're battling your thoughts. You're trying to keep your thoughts engaged, but they're going everywhere else. What's for lunch? What am I going to do after this? What do I have to do this afternoon? I can't wait until... We battle that. It's hard work. It's labor, Martin Luther says. But it's necessary. It's a necessary work. And I I just want to be honest with you. I wish, I wish that this sermon was being preached more from experience than from knowledge. This is an area that the Lord is working on me in. I'm growing in this area, and I have a long way to go. We have a long way to go, especially as we look at the passages that we're going to talk about today and see the biblical model for for prayer. I have a long way to go. But we must go there. We must improve So often we think that praying is is us trying to get God's will aligned with ours. If I can just get his attention and convince him that what I want is really what he wants. I could just convince him through prayer. If I just seek him and convince him that this really is the best thing, Lord. If you do this, things will be better. And that's not what prayer is. And that's why our prayer lives are weak so often. Prayer is really... Our wills being aligned with God's. It's like that illustration of of the guy in the boat who's a good distance off of the shore. And he takes a rope with a hook on it and he throws this rope and hooks it to the shore. Well, he would be a fool to think as he's pulling this rope that he's actually pulling the land to himself. No, he's pulling himself closer and closer and closer to the shore. That's what prayer should be for us. This communion with God where we throw out this rope, this hook, and as we, as we commune with Him, as we spend time with Him, we pull on this rope and we're drawing closer and closer and closer to the shore. Our will is being aligned more and more and more and more to the Father's will and not the opposite. Our desire in prayer is not to convince God that our thoughts are better than His, but to be aligned with the Father's will. And so here in this passage, how does prayer fit in to this passage on the armor of God? Well, John MacArthur says this, all the while that we are fighting in the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, we are to be in prayer. Prayer is the very spiritual air that the soldier of Christ breathes. It is the all-pervasive strategy in which warfare is fought. We must pray, and yet why is it that so often we don't pray? I came across this, this quote from Alexander White. He said this, If you want to humble someone, ask him about his prayer life. It's true, and we chuckle, but how sad that is. We're followers of Jesus. We're saved Why is it that we don't pray? And and the answer just comes down to basically it's a faith issue. 
We don't believe. We don't believe all these things that we've we've read in Ephesians that we've talked about in Ephesians. We don't we don't really believe that God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. How could we not come to him? How could we not be with him, communing with him, talking with him, fellowshipping with him if we truly believe that he's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We don't really believe in our hearts. We know it with our heads, but we don't really believe in our hearts that he chose me before the foundations of the world that I should be holy and blameless. If I believe that, if I really believe that the God of the universe, holy and set apart in all of his ways, can say, do anything, speaks worlds into existence, that that God, before the foundations of the world, looked and said, I choose you. I love you. I choose you as my son. I choose you as my daughter to be holy and blameless before me. If I truly, if I truly in my heart believe that, how can I break fellowship? How can I break communion? How can I break conversation without God? See, I don't really believe that in love he predestined me for adoption to the praise of his grace or I'll be praying. I'll be worshiping him. I'll be thanking him. It's a faith issue. And that's why last week when we were talking about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, I mentioned that the sword of the spirit is is so closely tied to prayer. we, We shouldn't be far from our Bibles. We should either be reading our Bibles, thinking our Bibles, meditating on our Bible. We should be meditating on God's word as we're praying because we need faith in Romans 10, 17. Like we talked about last week, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And it's this beautiful cycle. If I'll just be in his word and meditate on his word and think on his word, then he increases my faith. And as my faith is increased and I believe these things that are true about me, then I'm going to talk to him more. I'm going to be with him more. I'm going to commune with him more and more and more and more and more. We need faith. See, faith doesn't try to align God's will to mine. Faith says this when I pray. I'm sure I will receive what I have asked for or what I should have been asking for. Isn't that great? I know in my heart I'm going to receive what I'm asking for or what I should have been asking for. Whatever I get, whatever God gives me is what is right and good for me. And maybe I wasn't asking for that, but I should have been. That's what faith does. That's what faith helps us to do. I was on Twitter this week and looking through some posts and John Piper on Friday, he tweeted this just two days ago. He said, He is real, you know. So if you must interrupt praying to answer the door, say, Lord, may I be excused for a moment? I was so grateful he tweeted that. Because I think that's evidence of lack of faith in our praying. We don't really see that we're talking to a real person. We don't really think that we're talking to a real person. And so if the doorbell rings or we get a, text on our phone it's no big deal we just we just change what we're doing 
But do we really believe that there's a God in heaven who has purchased us by the blood of his son and invited us into this relationship with him? And we're talking and communicating with that God. If so, then our thinking is different and it's hard to be interrupted from that. It's not just a, I'm leaving it or my thoughts are drifting or I'm doing all these other things. So what I want to do is I want to look at three questions concerning prayer from today's passage. And before we get to that, I want, to, I want us to notice something important from, from the verse that we read here in verse 18. A word that sticks out is the word all. Notice what it says here, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with All perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Does that sound like it matters? (laughs) It sounds like this is not a small thing to Paul. Paul knows that we're going to trust in ourselves. If we're just left to ourselves, we're going to just begin to trust in me. I'm just going to trust in Tony. And even after going through this, put on the armor of God, put on the whole armor of God, put on the whole armor of God. He reminds us, pray, 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 praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Paul knows we'll trust in ourselves, but we can't do that. We must pray and trust in the only one who matters. It's not a small matter, and, and, and Paul knows that. And so, these three questions, when should we pray, how should we pray, and for whom should we pray, is what I want to talk about. First one is this, when should we pray? When should we pray? Paul tells us here, he says, praying at all times, praying at all times. He says in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Have you ever heard someone say when they're asked, how's your prayer life? Unceasing. I, I mean, the person who does that wouldn't answer that way. But have you ever thought that answer when, when someone asked you, how's your prayer life? Have you ever thought unceasing? That's God's desire. That's what we're called to do. Pray without ceasing. Praying at all times. What does that mean? Am I supposed to just walk around with my hands folded and my heads bowed, shushing my kids and, 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 and in this, this state of, of mumbling as I go along in prayer all day long, all day long, all day long? So I might read that that way. What does it mean to, to pray without ceasing and to be praying at all times? David says in Psalm 62, verse 8, he says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. To pray at all times is to live continually conscious of God, thinking, meditating on him in in, in deep awareness and surrender to our Heavenly Father. I'm aware that you're there, God. I'm thinking on you. I know that you're here with me in this moment. I know that what I do matters. And so if I'm tempted, then I'm going to bring that temptation in my very life before God. 
If I'm blessed with something, then I'm going to respond with thanksgiving to the giver of all good things. If I encounter someone who's not a believer, then I'm going I'm to be praying at that moment, God, open the eyes of their heart that they might believe, and, and if you would be gracious enough to use me in doing so. If I'm encountering another believer and they're hurting or sick, then, then I, don't just, I don't just do, hey, I'll pray for you. Oh, we're terrible at that. Hey, I'll pray for No, we pray for them. You can, you know, you, I don't know if you know this. Like when someone comes up to you and says, hey, could you pray for me for this? Okay, it's not in the Bible that you have to say, yeah, okay, I'll pray for you. Hey, I'll pray for you. And then leave them. That's not, you don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. Like I found that out. I can actually, at that moment, pray with them. And believe that God is listening. We're terrible at that. We're terrible at someone sharing something and our thoughts inside are, I got to go to this place. Hurry up and finish. Hurry up and finish. Oh man, I'll pray for you. And we don't even think of their name again for the rest of the day, for the rest of the week. And the next time we see them at church, we're like, what's that? Pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray at all times. And when those things come up, we're thinking, we're mindful. How are you, how are you doing with that? Some of you, some of you are, are heroes with this. People sitting around you don't even know that you are praying for them constantly. Some of us need to grow in this area. We'd be praying at all times, praying without ceasing. It's to set our minds on things above, not on the things that are on the earth, like Paul says in Colossians 3, 2. It's having that mindset. We ought to be praying at all times, just constantly, constantly, constantly in fellowship with our Father. How should we pray? How should we pray? Paul mentions three things here. He says, pray in the spirit. He says, pray with all prayer and supplication and pray with all perseverance. Pray always in the spirit. Turn to to Romans chapter eight. What does it mean to pray in the spirit? Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 26. Let's read 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is a wonderful, wonderful truth. You, as a follower of Christ, have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And that Spirit, God's Spirit, is praying for you. And he's not praying the way that we pray. He's praying rightly all the time. 
And that's what it says in verse 27. He says, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. He's praying for us. He's going to the Father for us according to the will of God. Always, always according to the will of God. So even when I'm praying the wrong things, maybe with the right motives, even when I'm praying the wrong things with the right motives, the Spirit is praying the right things, God's will for me. That is an unbelievable truth. That at all times you have in you the Holy Spirit and He's always, 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 always praying God's will for you. For you. That's an unbelievable truth. And we need that Spirit to help us in our praying. Because it says here we don't even know what to pray. We don't know what to pray for as we ought, it says in verse 26. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That's why Paul says, pray always in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our teacher in prayer. He's our guide in prayer. He's our motivator in prayer. He's our truth prayer in prayer. He's praying for us. He's praying on our behalf. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no hope that we can desire anything according to God's will because it's the Spirit who makes intercession for us to the Father. So to pray in the Spirit is to pray in harmony with the Spirit. The Spirit continually prays for us, and for us to pray rightly is to pray as He prays, to join our petitions to His and our will to His. Again, it brings us back to the importance of the sword of the Spirit and being in the Word of God. Remember we talked about that last week, the sword of the Spirit. What does the Spirit do? Jesus tells us what the Spirit was going to come and do. He's going to remind us. He's going to remind us. He's going to remind us of the things that I've spoken to you, the things that I've taught you, Jesus said. We need the Spirit and we need the Word. And there's hope for us. There's hope for us in this. We learn in Ephesians 1, verse 13, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. If you're in Christ, you have the Spirit inside of you. There's hope for you. But not just that, Paul encourages us in in, in chapter 5, Verse 18, he says, don't just remain the same and don't just go after worldly things. He says in verse 18, don't get drunk with wine for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And remember we talked about that meaning is keep keeping filled with the Spirit. We need to be motivated, moved, directed, completely in line with the Spirit. And for that, we need to be keeping filled with the Holy Spirit. So that we might always be praying in the Spirit as He's praying for us. The will of God for us. There's hope for us in this. If you struggle in your prayer life, don't think it's a hopeless endeavor. You have God's Spirit in you who's, who's praying for you. There's hope for you. There's hope for your prayer life. There's hope in Christ for us all in this. So praying always in the Spirit And pray with all prayer and supplication. Praying with all prayer and supplication. What does that mean when he says that? How do you pray with all prayer? 
Joel Beakey says this. He says, the greatest problem with the organized church today is prayerless praying. You guys know what that is, right? What he means is that we seldom pray in our prayers. We're we're thinking about to-do lists. We're thinking about what needs to get done. We're thinking in life group circles about what we're going to pray to impress the people who are listening to us pray. That's not really praying. You're praying to the people. When I do that, I'm praying to the people. I'm wanting them to be impressed with my prayer. I'm wanting the people sitting around me to be impressed with what I say. That guy really, that guy really knows how to connect with God. No, he doesn't. He knows how to connect with you. He knows how to make you think that he sounds good praying. That's not really praying. We're not, so often we don't really pray in our prayers. We're just, we're just talking we're not thinking about God. We're not tuned into the heart of God. We're not, we're not really praying. We're just going through what, we, what we're told to do. We're just talking. We're just babbling. And our mind is everywhere else. Everywhere else. That's what Piper meant by his tweet. We're, we're just talking in our heads most of the time so that if, if anything happens to disrupt us, we're not even apologetic to the Lord for it. It's just we just go do something else. It shouldn't be this way. We should have all hope in our praying. Martin Luther says this, we should be all the more urged and encouraged to pray because God has promised that our prayer will surely be answered. This you can hold up to him and say, I come to thee, dear father, and pray not of my own accord or because of my own worthiness, but at thy commandment and promise, which cannot fail or deceive me. We have hope because God has told us to pray. He's called us to pray. There's hope. And if we would just think, think, think the truth of the gospel, if we would just think the truth of Ephesians chapter 1, of our position in Christ, it would, it would change how we approach God. If we would think and believe those truths. He talks about all prayer and supplication. It refers to the variety of prayer as well. Whether we're praying in public or private or with loud cries or soft whispers or silently or deliberately or whether we planned it or it's spontaneous or we're sitting or we're standing or kneeling or lying down or at home or at church or in the car or have our hands folded or have our hands raised or our eyes open or our eyes closed, whether we have our head bowed or our head up, pray and be specific Pray big things, pray little things, pray for worshipful things, just worshiping him for who he is, pleading with him for things that we desire or need, weeping before him for hurts in our heart and for those that are hurting around us. Be specific. When you ask of God, are you wanting what God wants? Are you believing? Are you believing that he'll answer? Like, like we said earlier, giving what you asked for or what you should have been asking for. This has been very convicting for me over the last months of 
Do I really believe when I'm praying that God will answer me? When I'm asking Him for things that I believe are according to His will, as I look at the Scriptures, as I look at God's Word and I'm praying for things that I believe fit with God's Word and are according to His will, do I really believe in my heart there is a yes I mean, Jesus said in in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Do I do that? Do I do I really believe that he's able, that he's a giver of good things and that if it fits into his will, if it is according to his will, that he will give it? Do I believe that about God? To pray with all prayer and supplication. And pray with all perseverance. When we pray, we ought to be praying with perseverance. Don't give up. That's what that means. Don't give up. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. In Luke 18, 1, it says, um, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Don't lose heart in your praying. Don't give up in your praying. The Puritans... We're serious about prayer. And it's painful to read some of the things that they write. I have a few quotes here, and, and I'm going to tell you, they hurt me. John Calvin said this, Ceasing to pray when God does not answer us quickly is the surest mark that we have never become a Christian. They were serious about prayer. He's not alone. John Knox, that we mentioned earlier, prayer is an inherent fruit of saving faith. If a man does not continually pray, he may not have been born again. Martin Luther said this, He who does not do this, pray, should know that he is no Christian and does not belong in the kingdom of God. Serious matter for us. We ought to examine our hearts. Why am I not praying? Why am I not coming before God? And we must persevere in prayer. We must believe, believe, believe. That's where faith comes into it. Do I believe that God is there and He's listening and that He will answer? Do I believe in Him? We must persevere in prayer and keep at it, never ever giving up. Pray that God will teach you to pray. Pray that he will help you pray according to his will. That's what the the disciples came to him in Luke 11, verse 1. They said, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. We ought to pray that. Lord, teach me. Teach me how to pray. Father, you you think of a child with their dad and how my boys will come to me and ask me, Different things. Teach me this or teach me this or teach me this. This is something we ought to be asking our Father. Teach me to pray. And, and fathers here, you ought to be teaching your kids to pray. Showing them how to pray. Teaching them how to pray. They ought to hear from me. My boys ought to hear from me what it sounds and looks like to genuinely encounter God in prayer. To believe in Him through prayer. We must persevere in that. Do my boys see in me a a man who believes God and continues in prayer? You know, I heard my dad pray this, and 
And then he just keeps praying it, and he keeps praying it, and he keeps praying it, and he keeps praying it. He keeps praying it, believing that God is going to answer. Pray with all perseverance. And thirdly, for whom should we pray? He talks about for whom we should pray. the end of verse 18 he says to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints to that end keep alert let's comment on that to that end keep alert with all perseverance keep alert be watchful it's what jesus was was saying in mark 13:33 be on guard keep awake We've just gone through this, this section, starting with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Do we believe that's true? Then we ought to be on alert Keep alert, be watchful for the enemy and not just watching out for the enemy against yourself, but against your brothers and sisters in Christ. Not just praying for me, 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 but making supplication, Paul says, for all the saints. Praying for each other. Paul demonstrated that, right? Talked about that in Ephesians. And you see that in his letters where he's praying, praying for the people in the churches. making supplication for all the saints. Who do you pray for? When you pray, who are you praying for? Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as much as you love yourselves. Do you truly love your neighbor? Are you praying for them? John Calvin said, the best way that we can love one another as believers is to pray for each other and to identify with each other so that we weep and rejoice together. We love each other truly. If we truly love our neighbor as ourselves, we'll pray for them as much or even more than we pray for ourselves. We ought to be praying for the saints. We ought to be lifting each other up by name. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23, the people had, had sinned Samuel speaking to the people and they had sinned by asking for a king instead of having God ruling over them. And the people come and they're broken and they say, pray for us. They tell Samuel, pray for us. And this is his response. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Oh, that we would have that heart that we would know it as sin for us to not be... Pr- We're commanded here to pray for the saints. You see that, right? Praying for all the saints. That's a command in Scripture. We're called to pray for each other, to lift each other up in prayer, to love each other in that. If we would just do that and pray and love our neighbors, how better could we love the people around us than by praying for them? Praying for our spouse praying for our children, praying for our brothers and sisters in the body that we worship in. Praying and praying and praying and, 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 and including everything that Paul's already said, persevering in that prayer. 
making supplication in that prayer, praying always in those prayers, praying in that for each other. We ought to be praying for each other always, making specific requests for the saints. That's what he says here. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, making specific prayers for the saints, praying what they need, praying for the needs of the saints around us, praying for them specifically. That means we need to know each other. It means we have to know each other. We have to be in fellowship together. We have to truly love each other. What, what a blessing life group is to be part of that. And, and what an opportunity that is to get more into the lives of believers here at Cornerstone so that you can know them. And, and you can't do that in this time, right? As you're, if you're sitting on this side of the room, you really don't know what's going on in the people's lives on this side of the room unless there's time where you're spending together and, and, and sharing lives together. That's a blessing to be a part of that. I encourage you, if you're not plugged into a life group yet, do that. That's just, that's an avenue. That's a path towards knowing what to pray for other believers. And that's what Paul's referring to here. It's not just, not just saying, Lord, be with the people of Cornerstone. I just pray that you'd help them. You know, Lord. That's the, that's the we, we used to get this prayer list and, and, and Cornerstone see me. People fill out prayer cards and, and the secretaries would put it in this like booklet. Every week, just this thick, stapled paper. And I remember one of the, the pastors, he's, he would pray through it faithfully, faithfully, every single name. I mean, this is a book. Every week, he'd pray through every single name, every single need. And I remember one time going by, and, and, and he had it on his desk, and he was talking to me about it. And he's like, you know, you're not one of those guys that just looks at the, the thing on the, the pad on the, on the desk there. And it's like, Lord, you know. You know the needs in this, Lord. You know what's going on in their lives, Lord. You know. That's not what the picture that we get from Paul. It's like this guy was the picture. It's go through and pray for them by name. These are the needs that they have made known to me, Lord. This is, this is what they've asked me to pray for. I'm going to pray specifically for this person for this and this person for this and this person for this because I know them and I love them. Be praying for the saints. Pray for all the saints. What a blessing that is to be a part of a body where people are praying for you. Praying for you. Do we really love our neighbor? Do we really love our brothers and sisters in Christ? It's, it's an easy thing to know. Am I praying for them? Do I love the people here? Am I praying for them? Also, it's praying making supplication for all the saints. He goes on for there and, and talks about asking for prayer for himself. And I want you to notice what his request for himself is in this. He says, also for me. Now remember where Paul is at. He's, he's imprisoned. He's chained. He's uncomfortable. And so before we read this, Paul, Paul, doesn't, Paul doesn't pray for comfort. He doesn't pray that, that he would be set free, that he would be released. What does he pray for? He prays, he asked him to pray for his faithfulness. 
No matter the circumstances, how bad they might be, he just says, pray for faithfulness for me. And what is faithfulness for him? He says, pray also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. What a great heart. What a great request for prayer. Not, you know, this is a, a terrible circumstance and, and I just pray that the Lord would deliver me from this circumstance, that He would deliver me from these chains, that He would deliver me from being in this prison so I can get out of here. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm an ambassador for Christ. So pray that even as I am chained, that I will not hold back, that I'll be faithful in opening my mouth. And as I open my mouth, that words would be given to me that I can speak boldly the mystery of the gospel, which is why I'm in chains in the first place. So the reason that I'm in chains, what put me here, would you pray that I would just keep doing that? Would you pray that I would just be faithful to the Lord and continuing to speak boldly for Him, even though it got me these chains? Would you pray for me for that, for boldness? Here's the beautiful thing. Turn, turn to the right, probably one page in your Bible. The letter that Paul wrote shortly after the Ephesians would have received this letter that we've been reading through. In chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. Paul says to the church in Philippi, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Exactly what he had asked the people to pray for for him. People know as he's speaking boldly, for Christ and these chains. And they know that's why he's here. And not only is he speaking boldly and people are, are hearing about Christ, but those who are around him who are believers are becoming encouraged and built up and they too are speaking for Christ, being bold to say the things that might keep them imprisoned. Beautiful. As a church, we can... We can get to the point where we begin to depend on programs or events or the charisma of leaders or methods or money or other means to advance the kingdom of God. We, we must not do that. Those things will always, always fail. If we're not praying, we must be a praying people. We must pray we ought to be praying as a church we we must be a praying church who's who's obeying scripture and coming before god in communion with god and and making supplication not just for our wants but for the needs of the saints around us that we'd be a praying church that we'd pray things like paul requests that that the gospel would go forward that god would be pleased to advance his kingdom through his people here 
And like we talked about last week, that we would be, that we would be faithful, that we would be bold to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, that we would be an army who's all holding the sword of the Spirit together, what God might do through that. What He might do through that. that we would pray and pray and pray as a people, not depending on, on earthly means, but depending on God and begging Him to advance His kingdom that the gospel would go out through us, that he would be glorified, that we'd be praying for each other and the needs of those around us. I want to close, I want to close by praying together. There's a book that you may have, you may be familiar with it, it's called The Valley of Vision. It's a collection of Puritan prayers. If you don't have it in... in, uh, um, want a, a good help in worship. It's a great, it's a, just a great tool to read through these prayers and then to pray some of these prayers. It's just wonderful. I, I'm not encouraging you to make that your prayer life. Okay, don't hear me that way. We want the scriptures to be the foundation for that. But it's just an encouraging thing. I want to pray one of those prayers together, not as lip service, not just going through and, and saying the words that are on the screen, but together, together, praying from hearts that desire to be people who believe and pray. People who, who want to be in communion with God, who want to have fellowship with God. So I'm going to ask us to stand and, and the, the words that we're going to pray are going to come up on the screen. And let's just ask God, ask God that he would bless in this area of our worship of him. Pray, great God, in public, in private, in sanctuary, and home, may my life be steeped in prayer, filled with the spirit of grace and supplication, each prayer perfumed with the incense of atoning blood. Help me, defend me, until from praying ground I pass to the realm of unceasing praise, urged by my need invited by thy promises, called by thy spirit. I enter thy presence, worshiping thee with godly fear, awed by thy majesty, greatness, glory, but encouraged by thy love. I am all poverty as well as all guilt, having nothing of my own with which to repay thee. But I bring Jesus to thee in the arms of faith, pleading His righteousness to offset my iniquities, rejoicing that He will weigh down the scales for me and satisfy Thy justice. I bless Thee that great sin draws out great grace, that although the least sin deserves infinite punishment because done against an infinite God, yet there is mercy for me, for where guilt is most terrible, There thy mercy in Christ is most free and deep. Bless me by revealing to me more of his saving merits, by causing thy goodness to pass before me, by speaking peace to my contrite heart. Strengthen me to give thee no rest until Christ shall reign supreme within me in every thought, word, and deed, in a faith that purifies the heart overcomes the world, works by love, 
fastens me to Thee and ever clings to the cross. In the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen.